Praise God. And I hope you're excited to be in church. We're going to be on part two of a, a sermon series that we started last week as we've been kicking off this campaign, right? We are, we are declaring 40 days of community. Say that word with me. Community. And so... As Sean, as Sean Dorr said, I've been hearing a lot of great feedback as we kicked this off last week. Uh, a lot of small group leaders and people that attended the small groups saying that how awesome and powerful it was, a lot of excitement, a lot of momentum. And so that's really encouraging as a pastor and knowing that we're doing what God has called us to do. And how awesome is it that we have two totally different campuses all together focusing and praying on the exact same thing, which I think is very powerful, as we're going to see the Holy Spirit just drive us deeper into fellowship with God and into deeper fellowship with each other. Community matters. And we're going to be talking about reaching out together as a community, as the body of Christ today. So I'm excited to dive down into God's Word, study it deeper, and see what God has for us. As we kicked us off last week, I, I just broke that little word down, community, right? If you break it down, it's, it's community. Com is short for commune. Who's ever heard that word, commune? If you define that, it's just a, a people that share, they live together, they believe the same. And unity, imagine what that means. Any guesses? Unity, <laughs> right? Unity, togetherness. And so who believes in Jesus Christ? I hope you've been bought, paid for, hope you're in relationship with him. If you, if you are, you understand what it means to be saved and born-again Christian. You believe that you've been adopted, right? Born again into the family of God, the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of that body, and you and I are different members, parts of that same body. And guys, the body of Christ cannot thrive and go without unity, right? We have to be a, a community of believers that believe the same, that have the same goals and, and plans that our Lord does, right? The redemption of all mankind, the s preaching and, and teaching the same message, the same gospel, that Jesus came for all, right? And out of that abundance of relationship with him, real relationships and real community can take place within our church. And then from there, guess what happens? It blossoms and reproduces out in the world. And that's where we can make a real impact. And that's what I'm excited about today as we talk about community reaching out together. Last week, if you were here, we talked about not reaching out together. We talked about we're better when we're together. And today we're going to focus on reaching out together. Say this with me. Community, Community. is Community. unity. Community is unity. If you think about community and unity, it's the foundation stone, a foundation stone of the evangelical church. If you read the Gospels, You'll see after Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to the disciples for 40 days, and the evangelical church began to, to come alive, began to take root, right? Began to become this thing that has become over all these years. It was, it was exactly people coming together, a community of believers that believed the same, that shared their belongings, that shared their homes, that shared their food, that all believed together. So... The modern day church, we have to get this. Nothing's changed. We have to be in, 
in agreement with who God is and what he wants us to do for him. We reach out together, and guess what? Our God is a reaching God. Who's been caught by their Savior? I know in my sin, in my darkness, Jesus reached out for me. Even after I denied him, rejected him, all those years. So we need that same mercy and grace for others. If, if God reached for me, then we reach out together, right? So look at that first point today and unpackage this thought as we talk about reaching out together today. Look what it says. It says, so we reach out together by standing together. Unity is the key. Somebody say key. To reaching our community. Holy Spirit kind of impressed this upon me this week as I was studying and praying and, and reading my word. <clears throat> you know, as a church, we got, we got big ideas and, 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 and grand ideas. And we want those ideas to line up with God's ideas, right? And, and that's good. We need to be excited and we need to have creative ways to make impact in our community and to, and to reach out together and, and see signs and miracles and wonders transpire within our community of Holly Pond and within our church. But the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me that we cannot begin to run if we don't first Who's got before we can learn to walk, right? We have to learn how to begin to stand together in agreement in unity before we can Because if our mission is not his mission, it's not established in truth and who he is, if we're not unified in agreement together, then we can't we can't run. We can't see God show up and show out. And the Lord was showing me, you know what you cannot fake? Unity. You can't fake it. You either got it or you don't. And so it's my, my heart and prayer that as we're kicking this 40 days of community off, that real unity and relationships would happen. I challenged you guys last week. Don't think of this 40-day campaign, this 40 days of community, as a 40-day race. On day 41, don't hang your cleats up. Ran my race. Thank you, Jesus, for all that awesome stuff that happened. Uh, what are we on? No, this is, this is a 40 days catapulting us from momentum for an eternal race. Right? So we want, we want this unity to, to happen within us because, guys, we can't fake unity. If you, if you work for an employer or wherever you work, I hope you have unity. You can see when you visit different places as you shop, as you get food, wherever you go, you can see a place that, that has cohesiveness, that has unity, right? You can almost feel it. Who loves Chick-fil-A? Why do people love Chick-fil-A? Because they're a Christian organization, but they're actually using God's principles of His Word Loving, serving others. And guess what? People generally love to be served and loved. Do you think it's any different for the body of Christ, the church? We can't be so focused on attendance and numbers. Those things do matter. But if we lose sight of the value of the soul, somebody's eternal destination if we don't have that unity and that love as the body of Christ, as we wrap our arms around people who are hurting, broken, 
who need real relationship with their Savior and real relationship with a, with a healthy, living church, then we miss it. And that's something you can't fake. We either have it or we don't. Guess how we walk in love? I got to be in a daily relationship with love who is Jesus. Right? Through my prayer time, through my quiet time, reading his word. When, when you meet with the author of love, you'll walk in love. Right? So we have to be doing those things together as we're reaching out, standing together. Before I read uh, Philippians 1.27, I want to say, as I said, you can't fake unity. Let's just think of that word unity for a second. What is the opposite of unity? Discord. I want to give you three. three. Discord is one of them. Division, discord, and dissension. The three D's. The opposite of unity, and guess who loves to use those three things? The enemy, who rolls around like a, like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. So as we're praying for unity and real relationships to happen, as I'm living life, as I'm talking to others, as I'm serving others, if you're about to say anything or do anything, that causes division, discord, or dissension then let's not do those things, right? Because as soon as we do that, we begin to gossip or we begin to not weigh down the Holy Spirit. I talk out of turn. I say something. I can't take it back. It causes division. It causes discord. It causes dissension. And it's the opposite of unity. And we wonder why God won't bless it and why we can't go higher, why we can't go farther. And we have to do it God's way. And the enemy loves, 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 loves division. Look at Philippians 1.27. Look what it says. It says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So it says, Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are what? Standing together, we said as we reach out, we have to first stand. Paul's saying we have to stand together with, look at this, one spirit and one purpose. Say that word with me, purpose. Fighting together for the, for the faith, excuse me, which is the good news. So I kind of broke this verse down. We stand together right in one spirit and in one purpose. Unity happens when we stand together in unity with the same purpose, the same vision, right? And guess what? Unity, within unity, we remind each other of that truth, of that fact. If, if one of us, we, we can step out of a line a little bit, we, we miss a little bit, we all have blind spots, and so we help protect each other. And we remind, we remind ourselves, hey, no, we're, we're believing, God said. No, we're standing, right? We're, we're going to continue going this way because God said. And so we stand together in one spirit and in one purpose as we remind each other. Paul went on to say, he said, we fight together for the faith, which is the good news. So we fight together in the same faith. How awesome. We fight together with the same truth, with the same message. And what do we do when we fight together? We cover each other. 
we cover each other. Real unity happens. Real relationship happens. Protect each other's blind spots. Look at that next point. It says, so we reach out together through prayer. So we reach out together through standing in agreement. The second one I'm going to give you today is we reach out together through prayer. I'm going to switch this off. Excuse me, guys. Mike's got you. Watching us online. Sorry about that. We had to switch over. All right. Look at the rest of that point. It says, so we reach out together through prayer. We pray for one another, for those who don't know Jesus, and for the opportunities to share the gospel. We have to pray for people like we pray for ourselves. Let me say that again. We have to pray for others like we pray for ourselves. Jesus said that the commandment were broken down into two, right? Love God with all your mind, body, soul, strength, and everything in you, and then love your neighbor as you will pray for yourself. What if we prayed for our neighbors like we pray for ourselves, right? We have to be a people of prayer, a people of prayer. We have to be clothed in prayer. In Timothy, it says about prayer, never cease praying. Just as we talk with people every day, we need to be talking with God. In prayer, we have to pray for Christians, for our church, and Jesus wants us to take a step further. We need to pray for the lost, protection for the lost, that they would come to a day of repentance, a day of salvation, a day where they would wake up, not be woke according to the world, but awakened by the Spirit of God to the things of God, and pray for opportunities for us to share the good news. If you begin to pray for opportunities for God to use you, guess what he's going to do? He will start using you. Don't let that little lie, oh, I don't, I don't know what to say, or I don't know enough Bible verses. If you pray for God to make opportunities in your life, you will begin to see opportunities for God to use you. Because if your goal is the soul of somebody else, If your goal is to love somebody else, God honors that. Your prayer is not for God to use you so that you can show your gifts and talents to the world, right? Or to say, hey, look at me. Look what I can do for God. No, your your motive has to be the hearts and lives and eternal destination of, of men and women all across the world. And if that can be your prayer, God will begin to use you. We have to be a people that prays for salvation, healing and deliverance. Who believes our world has people in it that need to be delivered, right? That need, people that need to be healed, right? People that need to be set free, rest, restored lives, restored marriages. If you believe that, we need to be praying for those things. What if I told you somebody's life can change and it's just one prayer way, one prayer way, Now, at the end of the day, they have to choose, right? But what if your prayer is just that one thing that's going to catapult them? Your prayers can affect change. We have to have that mentality. When I pray, things change. Let's declare that over ourselves today. Say this with me. When I pray, things change. 
That has to be our, our faith, our belief, our mentality that I'm going to pray because when I pray, God hears me and things change. Look at Colossians 4, 2 through 4. I love this, this scripture as Paul is, uh, is speaking. Look what it says. He says, first devote yourselves to what? Prayer. With an alert mind and a thankful heart. He's establishing that he prays. Okay? But then look what he says. I want you to catch this. Look at verse 3. He says, then pray for us. He establishes that he prays, and now he's asking other people that he trusts to pray for them. That God would give us many what? Opportunities. To what? Speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. He's talking about opportunities to share the message of the gospel, Jesus Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. If I told you if you were to preach the message of the gospel that you'll wind up in jail, would you still preach the message of the gospel? You might think about it, right? <laughs> Paul says, I'm in here because I declared the truth of who God is. First he says, be a people of prayer because I am. And then he says, I need you to pray for me. Every single person, no matter who you are, if you're a pastor, if, if you're just started coming to church today, if you've been coming to church for 10 years, if you've been an elder or a deacon, an usher in church for 10, 20 years, you need prayer. You need to be a person of prayer, whether you're a man or woman. And guess what else you need? Others to pray for you. We, prayer is a fundamental of the faith. It's something we can never outgrow. And I really believe it's, it's a key for the church to stepping into real power and authority. Maybe we have not because we ask not. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock, and ye shall find. Somebody reads their Bible. So if we need things to happen in our lives, we need a big thing for God to do in our lives, are you praying about it? I hope you are. If you say, Pastor Ian, I've been praying about it every single day for the last year, and Jesus still hasn't answered it. I'm sorry, but my answer to you is never cease praying. Continue to believe and continue to pray because when, somebody say when, he answers that prayer without a shadow of a doubt, you're going to know it was answered by him. And that miracle is something that no one person, place, or thing, even the devil himself will be able to snatch from your life because God's timing, I know this, is always perfect, on time. Right? So if he hasn't answered it yet, don't lose hope. Continue to believe. Continue to pray because everyone needs prayer. Look at that next point. The third thing we do when we reach out together is we're talking about 40 days of community is that we reach out together by meeting the needs around us. I love this. Meeting physical needs opens spiritual doors. How do we begin to see the, 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 the needs, physical needs, within our community? First, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our lives. But to see the needs, it takes all of us. If you are just simply dependent on Pastor Ian to see every single need in Holly Pond, we're going to fail. Now, I'm trying to see the needs, meet the needs, but if you are out there on purpose looking how we can affect change, positive 
holy change in our community, then together as we do that, we can begin to see the needs. And then once we know the needs, what can we do? We can meet them. And then guess when we meet the needs, it creates an opportunity for God to do something greater. Somebody said greater. As we meet a physical need, it's all about the spiritual need. When Ian was, was lost in his sin, addicted to drugs and to alcohol, I, my, my physical need was, I just need a place to live because I was homeless, I was jobless, I was penniless, and, and I needed something to eat, right? God used Teen Challenge to provide the physical need for me to stay alive, and I really didn't want to go to Teen Challenge, if I'm being honest. What happened when I got there? God provided for my physical need, but I realized I had a whole bigger issue. The problem of my life all stemmed from spiritual sickness. Why was Ian an alcoholic? Because I was spiritually sick. They provided a physical need that opened a door spiritually in my life. And praise Jesus, I came to know Jesus, now I'm spiritually, I was spiritually dead, now I'm spiritually alive in Christ. And, and God didn't do all that just for me so that I could come to know the truth and get my life cleaned up. And now I have a, a house and a mortgage payment and two and a half babies, right, and all the, all the bills and all the things. He didn't just clean my life up so that I could have a blessed life. He, he cleaned me up so that I could be a messenger of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because if he could do that for me, he can do that for you. If you got a neighbor, tell him, say, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. When we reach out together, we meet the needs around us. Meeting the physical needs opens the door to spiritual needs. Look at James 2, 4 through 16, and then we'll skip to verse 20. Let's read it all together. Look at, excuse me, verse 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? And I love how the, the brother of Jesus goes on. Look what he says. He says, can you, can you, excuse me, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or any clothing, what good does that do, he says. And then skip to verse 20. All you Bible scholars will recognize this, right? Faith without works is dead. So church, I said we have to be able to see the needs together when we are proactively looking how we can bless people and bless our community. <laughs> I want to take it a step further just simply seeing the need is not enough. I see that somebody needs help, so I, 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 I tell somebody, which is good, do that. Let's come together, let's figure out how we can help them. But if I, if I just see the problem and I don't try to get engaged in helping solve that problem, nothing changes. Faith without works is dead. I feel like in the world that we live in, we have a lot of really, really, really good problem identifiers. <laughs> We're great at seeing a problem. This is so 
messed up. This, is, this ain't working right. You know what? We'll say that thing over people. Man, they, if they just only knew, if they would just start doing this, it ain't working because they're doing that. We're great at identifying problems, but you know what we really need to work on? Entering into becoming problem solvers. We need to band together. We're better together, and we reach out together. When we see a problem, no matter how big or how small, if we can come together, I guarantee you we can come, come up with, an, with a solution. We can come up with a solution, and we serve a God where he makes the impossible possible. And if we're banded together, standing in agreement, you know what? We're going to bless these people. And you know what's cool about our church? We actually do that. In Arab and at Holly Pond, people come to us. They, they fall on tough times. They need a help with their electric bill or their, their heating bill or whatever bill. Now, we always, before we're, you know, we're going to financially su- support and, and help a need, we, what do we do? We see that as an opportunity to meet a physical need. But we're never just going to write a blank check, right? We want to sit with them. We want to meet with them. We want to hear what's going on in our life. So that what? So that God can open that spiritual door. We're going to help you, but we want to make sure you know the truth. And at the end of the day, you know what? If, if, if they take that check and they go live like the devil, that's on them. But you know what we did? We were obedient to God and his word. And we were faithful in trying to help that physical need and supplying that spiritual support for that hurting, broken person. Because faith without works is dead. We can't just see the need and say, oh, good seeing you. Have a good day. How can we help that need? We must recognize people's physical situation is often determined by their spiritual condition. Somebody is physically in that situation, more than likely in that pigsty, because spiritually they're sick, just like I was. It's a representation of how they, how they are currently living, and they're not beyond saving, they're not beyond grace. It may just take one person to show that compassion and show that love that God calls us into every day. Look at that next point. Fourth thing that happens when we reach out together. We do that by sharing our stories. Who's got a testimony? Come on, somebody. Please, you, you probably know this, but please be sharing that routinely with somebody, anybody who will listen to you, right? Because our testimonies, they inspire what? Hope. They release faith. They create a path for others to come to know God. Your story showcases the glory of God. As I just briefly shared a little bit about where I've come from, where God's brought me. When you do that, you have a story. You have a testimony. You have your dark days, and now, you, now hopefully you have your, your days of, of light, right? You were from you were, uh, living in sin and death and darkness, and he, tra- he, he adopted you into the family of God, bringing you into this, the spiritual light, right, of life. If you have made that trek, that journey, you can showcase the glory of God when you share your story. And when you share that story, you're not sharing that story so somebody can say, oh, look at, look at what so-and-so has done. You're sharing that story to inspire hope and to inspire and to encourage somebody who needs to hear that. 
if, 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 if they're hurting, if, if they're going through something hard, you share that story to say, you know what, I've been there. I've been there. I know what you're going through. I hear you. I, I, I feel your pain. But I just got something to share with you because just as I was right where you are, God, he delivered me. And maybe it wasn't easy, but I know that I know that I know God's the one that brought me out. And if you can trust God and you can build a relationship, a team of people around you that, that believe in prayer and that believe in God's word and that believe in Jesus Christ, that can help you and encourage you, I'll be one of those people for you, you tell them. If you can do that, then God can bring you out. And we do that to share, to inspire hope that releases what? Faith. It releases faith in the other person, and it creates a path for others to begin to come to God, come to know the truth. Your story, you know this about your testimony, your story is a connecting force. For us to have real unity and for real community to happen within our church and within our community of Holly Pond, we have to connect with others. We generally don't connect with each other's successes. And I think that's because we're secretly in this competition with other people. Competition has its, its, its healthy benefits, and competition has a lot of bad things with it, too. And so when we share our story, what are we doing? We're opening up to somebody. They see our lives through this lens of, before I shared my story of me being homeless, jobless, penniless, Today, you would just see, I don't want to call it a finished product because I'm far from finished and I'm far from perfect, but you see a happily married man living on his own, has kids, has a decent job, a pastor of a church. You think that my life is all put together, which is far from the truth. But when I begin to share my hurts and my pains and my history and my past, guess what happens? You connect to that truth because you say, you know what? He's imperfect like I am. And it's okay to be imperfect. There's not a perfect person. There's only one. His name is Jesus. If we was perfect, we don't need the Son of God. That's stop wearing the masks and putting on the fronts. And ah, I use social media, but guys, it has created an even deeper level of how we clean our lives up, right? My life is Facebook, picture perfect worthy, or Instagram little two-second stories and reels of, of picture-perfectness, and we compare our lives to other. Please, compare your life to one person. His name is Jesus. He's not just a person. He's the Son of God, the, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Messiah, the King of all. And if we can do that, and you can share your testimony of what He has done in your life, you can connect to people. And if we can connect to people, guys, we can, go, we can go farther, we can go higher, and God can use us because it's all about relationships. Relationships with God and relationships with other. I want to read a, a quick scripture. Psalms 107.2, look what it says. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell Tell her story. If you've been born again, saved by Jesus, you have a story, 
anyone ever heard Jesus, he'll turn your mess into a message, right? You've heard that? He'll turn your test into a testimony. And if he's done that, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's all about relationships. That leads me to my last point for today. We share to connect and showcase the glory of God. And when we do that, we can reach out together by nurturing friendships, relationships, within and without. That sounds kind of confusing. Hopefully I can reel that in for us and explain what that means. But Jesus, he had a community of faith, right? And he was also a friend of sinners. He had the disciples, but he didn't just close the circle off to those that were following him. He would go anywhere, let anyone listen to what he had to say, and it was he left that on the person, the individual, right, to receive that truth or not. So for us, it's the exact same. We need to have, we talked about this last week, we need to have a circle of people that we can trust, right? So we need to nourish the good, godly, healthy Christian relationships but we can't just have, we, we can't just stop there. We need to be trying to expand our circle of influence, the level of influence that God has given you, so that he can use you to be a, a vessel, an instrument of righteousness, but also so that we can invite others into the things of God, into the family of God. So we nurture the healthy relationships we already have, and we pray, somebody say pray, that God would send healthy relationships to who? To the lost and to us. God, send them to me. Send the hurting, broken people to me so that I can help them, so that I can encourage them, so that I can speak truth to them. So we ask, we we want friendships and relationships within our circle of faith and without those who have not yet been born again, those that are currently going through tests and trials. Christians go through tests and trials too. I'm talking about somebody who is lost. When you're going, when you're lost, going through a test and trial, it's a whole different ball game, right? And so they need they need even more grace and, and more mercy, not more judgment. They need more grace and mercy to come to that place of revelation that Jesus is. And we would ask that God would use us to be that bridge. I feel like I've asked this question. If you've come to Liberty Church. Holly Pond for any extended amount of time, and I feel like the Holy Spirit answered my own question this week, and he stepped on my toes. I've presented the question to our church oftentimes, and I pray this, God, how can we build a bridge? How can we build a bridge from the lost to those that are found? How do we do that on Sunday mornings and and beyond Sunday mornings and getting even connected and and into the church? And we try and come up with creative ideas, and we do car washes, which we're going to do here in next weekend, and we're trying to help and serve our community, which is good. Those are great ideas, and the Holy Spirit just showed me this week that I said, you know, how can we build a bridge? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you. You. That may not sound so profound, but to me it was, the Holy Spirit said, Ian, I have to be the bridge. I literally have to lay my life down. We need creative ideas. We, we, need, we need God ideas, but at the end of the day, Ian has to lay his life down, has to be the bridge. And I know y'all see me as the pastor today, but guess what? That, that message and revelation is the same for all of us. Because you can be the bridge, guys. You can be the bridge at your workplace. It, it, if you want to stand out, be Jesus. 
I'm not saying you can be Jesus, but be Jesus, be the hands and feet of Jesus, be the bridge, lay your life down for your coworkers, and you'll connect with those coworkers. When, when we're at Jack's or when we're, we're at the, the diner or we're at SNS and the Holy Spirit presents an opportunity, a moment, be the bridge. Right? Be the bridge that people can literally walk on from death, despair, and sin. Let, let them walk on you literally to a place of life and hope and joy and peace, which is Jesus Christ. If you stepped on my toes this week, I said, Holy Spirit, I can do that. It means it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to require m- more of me that I've already put in, but it's going to require more. Say that word with me. More. And that's okay because it says that if we, if we believe that he can do exceedingly abundantly above whatever we think, thought, or imagine. So if I can have relationship with that, whatever I need, he can give it to me. At the end of the day, I have to choose faith over my flesh when you choose faith over your flesh you can win right i'll leave you with proverbs look at chapter 18 verse 24 it says a man who has friends must himself be friendly imagine that but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother if you want to have friends be friendly if you want to be loved Love others. If you want to be respected, respect others. Your relationships are a reflection of your spiritual health. If I have bad relationships, or if I feel like I don't have any relationships, it's a reflection of how you are spiritually. If you're spiritually healthy, you're in relationship with Jesus on a daily basis, I guarantee you'll have healthy relationships. You'll have an abundance of relationships. You'll be that person that everybody wants to be around. You'll be that person that people actually like and love and respect because you're spiritually healthy. And out of the abundance of that spiritual health, it affects you relationally. Get this. If Jesus is my healthiest relationship that I have, then I'll have healthy relationships. If he's the healthiest relationship I have on a daily basis, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, you too will have healthy relationships. Relationships matter because community matters. And without community, we don't have unity. Who is the head of that body, that community? Jesus Christ. So we need to be in direct fellowship and relationship with him every single day. Amen. Y'all join me in as we pray and close today. And I want to leave you with that thought today. What does your daily relationship with Jesus look like? I understand we're gathered on Sunday, so I'm sure a lot of us are born again, saved. You're in this daily walk, this relationship with Jesus Christ. That's awesome. If that is you, you're in that boat. I want you right now to pray. For the lost, please. We talked about that today. We band together as we pray for the lost. Pray that somebody would come to know Jesus Christ today. He saved and redeemed you, so pray God would save and redeem somebody else today. And as I pose that question, maybe you're here in the sanctuary, you're watching us online. Excuse me, and you say, Pastor, Pastor Ian, 
I'm in that other boat. I don't have a daily relationship with Jesus. I'm kind of just doing my thing. Jesus doesn't have a say in my life. I do what I want. I say what I want. But something you said today stirred my heart. Something you said today revealed to me that God still loves me. And I want to tell you, God does love you, and he forgives you. No matter what it is that the enemy's using against you to keep you stuck in pain and lies, I want you to know that you can change. God can transform your life today. If you make his relationship with him number one in your life, all those things you're believing and praying for will happen. I can't guarantee it will happen overnight, but I guarantee God can deposit something in your heart right now that'll be real and tangible, that'll give you hope, joy, and peace as Jesus Christ saves you. So if you say, I want to pray to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior right now, no one's looking at you, but I want to ask you to do two things, one of two things. I want you just to raise your hand up real high right now. You can either raise your hand up real high, or if you have the faith, I want you to stand up. One of the two, stand, physically stand up or raise your hand to say, Pastor Ian, I want to pray to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And I promise you, you will feel his amazing love. I'm going to give you a few moments to do that. Be the best decision you ever made. If you're joining us online, please put something in the chat that you're saying, I'm making this prayer. I'm making this decision so that we can see that and pray with you. Amen. Amen. I want to lead us all in a prayer. I'd ask that you repeat after me today. Loud and proud today. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, God, we accept your Son. We believe that Jesus is Savior of the world, the Savior of my life. I confess that he now is my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me in my past, forgive me in my sins, and send your Holy Spirit to redeem my future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody give Jesus a hand today. Amen. Well, who's glad you came to church? Anybody? Man, we're glad you came too. And we love you as we get ready to dismiss. Just want to tell you, hope you have a good, safe Sunday. Hope to see you again next week. Amen. If this is maybe your first time just connecting with us, come back and see me at the Orange Table. I'd love to meet you. Shake your hand and give you your free gift today.